Thanks for listening to the Henry Center podcast. We seek to bridge the gap between the academy and the church by cultivating resources and communities that advance Christian wisdom. If you'd like to learn more about the Henry Center, please visit our website at henrycenter.org. There you can find hundreds of articles, videos, and publications which promote theological understanding. The best way to stay connected with us is to subscribe to our newsletter, though you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. If you're able, we'd love to see you at one of our upcoming events, hosted at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Our public lectures feature scholars and pastors offering careful reflection on a range of biblical, theological, and ecclesial topics. We hope you enjoy today's discussion. Good morning. It is good to be with you here at Trinity. It's my first time to this place, and it's very very honored to to uh, join you this morning for worship and to look at God's Word and to think about um, the work of reconciliation. I just want to show a few pictures to introduce myself and have you give you a sense of where I'm from. I grew up in the small little village in Eskimo Village on the shores of the Bering Sea, the Norton Sound, Unalakleet, Alaska, which is where the first uh, Swedish covenant missionary landed in 1887. He's buried there. So this is my hometown, a, a dear, dear place. Um, my family, we have, we have three children, my wife and I, Christy, I met her at the University of Oklahoma. She came from Dallas, Texas, and has been transplanted to Alaska, so we could not come from two more opposite types of lifestyle. But uh, this is right when we had, I had baptized my son Joshua, the youngest child, in the Bering Sea uh, in, on an August day a couple of years ago. Um, we love to fish. I come from a, a river that teems with salmon, and it's, it's a great joy. Um, I, I cannot tell you how beautiful uh, our, our land and God's creation is. We get to see it. This is from the shores of my hometown overlooking the Bering Sea, the Northern Sound, uh, the Northern Lights. Um, and, you know, this is, it's just, it, it puts you in awe. Uh, most people, when they think of Alaska, they might think of images like this. <laughs> and uh, and that's, that's, my, that's my home church in the middle of winter. Um, this, you, this might, you might relate to this image, uh, this winter, you all took our snow this year. We had virtually no snow. And so, uh, but this is, this is how I grew up in the wintertime, uh, going to church, climbing snow banks, sliding down. Um, but it's, um, it's not, it's a, it's a place of great beauty. Um, before I begin, I, I want to share a song with you, just a short song, a verse and a chorus. It's in our Inupak Eskimo language, and it's a song that um, speaks of God's goodness in the light of Jesus. Um, I want you to repeat after me, Adiga, Adiga. One more time, Adiga, Adiga. That means, yes, it's good, uh, and it's a phrase that, well, it's a word that has multiple usages, and we can see, when we come from Alaska to Chicago for our Covenant Midwinter Conferences, our Covenant pastors will say, Adiga, Giordano's Pizza, we're going to have some pizza, you know. We like the NBA, some people, you know, Adiga, the Bulls won, or did they? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Adiga, the Cubs won. Oh, wait, no, never mind. <laughs> um, but Adiga, and there can hardly be a word that captures um, for us that goodness, that good news, um, the, the goodness of Jesus Christ and the work of reconciliation that he did on the cross. So this song speaks of how 
that it is good. The path is bright. I don't speak fluently, by the way, but, but someone gave me the translation of this song, and it's, it's, it is something that has seeped into my soul, and, and I, I yearn and long for that. The path is bright. We are going to a good land. Um, we need God's light, and this is a reminder of how we lift up our eyes to the good news of Jesus. Jesus, Arikit Kisiro, Arikshutni Miraglu, Hokpitwa Kisigne Kakuk, Turaglu Rich, Ariga, 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 Nunachrak, Isiktuni. So those words, we sing back home a lot of hymns translated. The song I just sang was written by, I'll say, a poet. Someone from our, our heritage, our, my people, Eskimo people, Inupak Eskimos, um, was touched by the grace of Jesus and gave voice to that goodness and the, the brightness, the light of Jesus. And I, I share it with you to give testimony to how indeed one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I come from a small place. A lot of people, when I went to school in Oklahoma, people thought Alaska was like Mars, you know. I mean, when you talk about going to the utter ends of the earth in the Acts 1-8, you know, that was us, you know. I have someone, one of our president of the covenant has said how if you, if you go from Jerusalem around the globe, my hometown is halfway around the globe. I've never verified that, but I believe him, and I share with you. Um, so we're, we're far away from where Jesus was at when he was crucified, when he walked this earth. And yet his gospel made it to the shores of Alaska. His gospel of reconciliation. And don't we need that good news in our, in our country today? My, I can't imagine your heart not being broken as we see the horrific images on the news of people being killed by law enforcement officers. It has, it has stirred up in me anger and sadness, like I would imagine you in a, in a variety of things. And a, and a cry out, Lord, God, why? Why is it like this? Come, Lord Jesus. And so we need Ariga. We need good news in our, in our country today. And today's today's passage that I want to share with you from, from to just kind of revolve around this comes, speaks of, of, a, um, of hostility and how Jesus came to, to tear down the walls of hostility between Jews and Gentiles. But we are too aware and too familiar with walls of hostility uh, in our countries. And, and you can think of big, big things that, that are that sometimes I feel like, you know, how can we ever change things of the system, you know, that are systemically unjust, that, that are systemically broken, that systemically push people down. And, and sometimes I feel like, oh, man, where do you start? And then, and then you run into people who 
you know that where there's brokenness, where there's hostility in relationships. I have a friend whose marriage is on the ropes, and I took a walk with him just the other day as tears streamed down his face because there's brokenness in relationship. There's hostility. We're, we're too familiar with, with hostility, but adiga, we've, we have the good news of Jesus. And I want to share with you, um, being an Alaska native, I'm, I'm the grandson of a German Norwegian, of a German farmer from South Dakota. My mom grew up in Madison, South Dakota, German Norwegian mom. Uh, and I'm the grandson of an Inupak Eskimo with a little touch of Russian, hence my last name, Ivanov. So I'm quite a mixture of, uh, of, of ethnicities. But my cultural lens, I would call indigenous. I grew up in a village with, with an indigenous people that has a heritage that's indigenous to this land. And so I, I, I hope to share with you a little perspective of how I hear this passage and, and to hear the good news of Jesus coming to, to uh, our people and to this place and some of the struggles uh, of the history, the history of, of indigenous people of this land. It's a history that's, that is um, hard and sad. And I've been on a journey. I've been on a journey in my own life to to struggle with, with, the, with that pain and with the realities. You know, you look at, uh, in, in verse 12, as I was actually coming down on the plane, uh, meditating on this and thinking about it uh, as continuing to prepare. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I'm so grateful that there was a Swedish explorer who in 1878 came to Alaska in the, in the northern regions there. And when he came, he saw a great deal of brokenness. He saw starvation because whalers had come to the Arctic and to the waters of Alaska. Whalers, whalers from Britain, from Portugal, from internationally. Uh, decimating the population of whales, marine mammals, whales, walruses, the staple of our economy, and it, it led to starvation. They introduced alcohol. Uh, there, was, there was all kinds of, of brokenness that was introduced, uh, and this explorer came. He saw this. He went back to Sweden where there was revival, or, or maybe you might say our common heritage. People from Sweden where there was revival, and two men with, a, with the mission friends, said, we'll go. Uh, one man's desire was to go to Siberia, but he ended up landing via the Atlantic Ocean in San Francisco, um, studying a little bit of English, uh, ending up um, in my hometown. And I thank God that the good news came through a man named Axel Carlson, and the gospel took root. When he came, he knew a little English and Swedish and Russian. My hometown back then was, was Inupak, Eskimo, and Yupik, Eskimo. So, you know, like, so where's the connection? Well, my great-grandfather and others knew Russian uh, through Russian influence. And so through that link, there was connection linguistically. Uh, and, and my great-grandfather was one of the early converts. So there's a personal connection to the story of God's good news coming. But I thank God that the good news of Jesus was brought. In that era, to be a Christian in this country, and, and mind you, we, Alaska, was purchased uh, from Russia by the United States in 1867. 
And so the, about so 20 years later, the first Protestant missionary shows up in, in my hometown. In the, in the 80s, there was a great deal of Protestant mission effort throughout Alaska. The, the uh, Presbyterians, Baptists, Moravians, um, Friends Church, Quakers, uh, and, and many others. Um, but in that time, to, be a, to become a Christian, there was this, this, this um, tight link that to become a Christian meant you became American. And so concurrently with the good news of Jesus coming was the, the work of assimilating our people to, to the United States of America and what it meant to be a United States citizen. This phrase speaks of being excluded from citizenship. We were brought near through the good news of Axel Carlson, and then through the work of missionaries and the United States government, we were assimilated. And that's where the story becomes difficult because the efforts to assimilate our people not only to the kingdom of Jesus, but I'll say to the kingdom of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, uh, was one of great pain. Great pain because when, when schools were, were introduced to teach language and to prepare um, to, to transform our people to become uh, American, uh, that meant our language had to change. And there are still people alive today who can tell the stories of what it was like to speak Eskimo, like I sang to you in our, our native tongue, which I do not speak. I know Russian and Spanish, but I don't know my mother tongue. And I, I, I long for that. I, I, I got Rosetta Stone Inupak language for Christmas, so I'm hoping I'll, I'll learn it. Um, but, but there's a hole in me in the, in the sense culturally where the, the, the heart language of our people is, is dying. And there are elders who can tell stories of what it was like to speak in their language, the only language they knew, and they have a bar of soap put in their mouth. There's stories they can tell of being, you know, slapped with a, with a yardstick. And that's just in Alaska. Our story in Alaska is very different than the indigenous peoples of this land in, in native, among Native Americans. Um, but I'm, I'm referring to our, our experience. So they can, they, there's, there's those stories, and it's painful to hear. It's host, it was hostility. And I, I struggled as a, really in the last 10 years or so, with that, like, God, how could, how could the gospel come? The good news of Jesus, the gospel that comes to people who are without hope and without God, as it says in Ephesians. And there was a time when you and I were there without hope and without God. When we met Jesus, we were brought near and, and we were given hope. We were given life. But how could, how could that be that, that the gospel comes and there's this, as one of our Alaska leaders uh, in the Alaska Native Land Claims Movement in the 60s uh, and the passing of the Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act in 1971, uh, he, he wrote about the experience of going from, from his home to a boarding school um, in Tennessee, um, but also thinking about the many stories of how our people were brought from their hometowns, villages like Unalakleet, sent to places like Choloco in Oklahoma, Chemoa in Oregon, or maybe I have those mixed up, but Oregon, Oklahoma, um, boarding schools, you know. There were boarding schools throughout Alaska as well. Um, but all for the effort to assimilate our people. And, and I've struggled with that through the years, feeling angry, you know. 
feeling angry of how there's, there's residual pain, there's residual hostility. There's, there are people who say, I don't want anything to do with the church. And, and that leader wrote in a book called 50 Years from Tomorrow, he said there was an unholy alliance between uh, missionaries and the government. And I, I think, you know, that nails it, you know. That nails it because of the, the, the great pain. And, I mean, our world was just turned completely upside down. Not only was our language changed, um, you know, there was our traditional religion, which a lot of it was without God. But note, I fully believe, you look at those northern lights, and how can you say the heaven, you know, how can you not say that God didn't display himself to, to people? The heavens declare the glory of God. I have full confidence that our people knew of God's glory uh, before the, we heard the name of Jesus. But uh, upon hearing the name of Jesus, that, that, um, that dissonance, that dissonance and, and, and looking at a, a history of hostility, history where our names were changed, you know, uh, one of our, a woman I know has the last name Coolidge. And this is how it went in schools all throughout uh, rural Alaska. Uh, we would call them Christian names, right? Um, I mean, I know, I know Eskimos where I lived in near Norwick with the last name of Smith and Jones. It looks kind of funny to see these natives with those last names, you know. But those were given by, by a lot of times missionaries. But one day, uh, this might have been a government school teacher, but um, the man couldn't say the name of the student he was calling Roll. So the story goes, and, and um, I don't know if it was uh, Calvin Coolidge's birthday or what, but, but he said, um, today, uh, this day for your name is Calvin Coolidge. Um, I know people named, a guy named Abraham Lincoln, you know. There were names, our names were changed. Hair was cut, all cut into the world, the world, our world was turned upside down. All at the same time of receiving the good news of Jesus, being without hope and without God in the world. So I've been on a journey to, to try to understand that and, and wrestle with that and, and, and even to communicate a message of, um, of reconciliation to those people who do have hostility to, to the church, you know? There you often will hear in, in gatherings with Alaska Native peoples about the missionaries, you know? Those missionaries, there's an, an, a certain angst because of that because of that history. And so it's a history of, um, there was hostility inflicted on, on my cultural people by people in the name of Jesus, you know? So, so it's not unfamiliar when the efforts to create Indian boarding schools, um, there was a man who began one in Pennsylvania in 1879, an infamous quote, uh, in starting a boarding school to assimilate indig indigenous peoples, kill the Indian and save the man, you know. Like, and, and again, a lot of the work was done by, by missionaries. So it's been a, it's been an, a journey for me to, to struggle with that because in Christ we read this powerful and, and pivotal passage for the creation of, an, of a new people and a people who are reconciled, Jews and Gentiles, to be made one. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What a good news for us. Adi God to be brought near by the blood of Jesus, that we can be 
that we can know God, that we can know that abundant life of Jesus. And yet we are not, it's not uncommon. It's too common to see hostility. So I grew up, um, I remember on the playground when I was in about kindergarten, there was me, a native kid, and a kid named Matthew whose parents were teachers. And, he was, and we call, we, we call um, white people nalogmute, which means people of the bleached seal skin. <laughs> That's the literal translation of uh, what, what the, word, the, the word that native peoples gave white people back in the day, nalogmute. Anyway, we were on the playground, and I, I don't, I, this is how I remember this, but we were going to fight, you know, and I had, there was like fifth and sixth grade boys, seventh grade boys coaching me, and like, you know, maybe we we're going to wrestle, I don't know, but, but it was like this fight, you know, and I was thinking about that, you know, um, the, that hostility, that residual hostility that Native peoples have towards non-Native peoples or Western people. There's a scene in a movie called Smoke Signals, um, which if you're a Native American, that's like your movie, man. Smoke Signals. If you've never seen Smoke Signals, I would encourage you to watch it. But there's a scene where this father, there's, there's a, a, the story of a son in search for his father. His father had died and he was going to uh, go to where he was from Idaho to Arizona. But the father is, had, had run away and he was telling a story of, of him and of his son growing up. And he tells a scene where he and his son played a game of two-on-two basketball against two Jesuit priests. And he, he was talking about his son, who's maybe 12 years old, and, and he said um, he could just fly, he could fly on the wind, and, you know, and, and the game was tied, and the scene is this elementary school gym, and the priests are dressed in their priestly kind of gowns, and, and, um, and he talks, he says, yep, and my son, he drove down the lane, and, and uh, he scored, and, and for the first time, the Indians beat the Christians. And I, and I remember seeing that scene and, and feeling that, that struggle. But in Christ, we see the good news of, of the work of the cross. And the, the phrase, as, as it goes down on 15, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. And this is what I'm finding on this journey of thinking about the church and reconciliation and our, our call to be ambassadors of this, the gospel of reconciliation. Um, this phrase, by which he put to death their hostility, I underlined that and highlighted that, and I just thought, man, there's, there's our good news. The, the, the significance of the work of Jesus putting to death hostility, putting to death, bringing, bringing those who are far away from one another near, nearer to each other. Because we can, as a, as a native, I, I, I share with you how it's been a struggle, you know, um, in my own journey and just thinking about the, the history of, of pain. But Jesus has put to death hostility and we can be drawn near. And I'm realizing that it is a, it is a journey. Reconciliation, it's not something that, that just happens. We can just add, take a pill and, you know, take the gospel pill and we're done. 
it's, it's a journey. I like to say in, in my hometown where it's a fishing village and we dry fish. It takes about two weeks to seine for pink salmon, cut them up, put them on fish racks, tend to them, and, and then get the final product that you like to take and dip in seal oil. Hmm, I tell you, man, that's, that's where it's at. We're going to have seal oil in, in heaven. But, but it takes time to dry fish. And I realize, you know, this is a, it's a journey, and it's not a journey that happens fast. It's a journey that requires patience and persistence and endurance as we cry out to God, as we, as we look to the one who has put to death hostilities. I had the opportunity to have at my house um, a, a lady from a place called St. Lawrence Island, which is just um, actually from her village. You can see Russia on a clear, calm winter day. Just so you'll know, okay, from her village, you can see Siberia, Russia. Um, and she came over with, a, with another a, a fellow pastor in Alaska. And they, they wanted to come to my house to tell me a story of an event they had in their community where the work of the Presbyterian Church has been going on since the 1880s, thanks to a man named Sheldon Jackson. Um, they talked about how in, in March of 2012, the Presbyterian Church came and had an event where there was a formal apology given to, to the peoples of that place for the work of assimilation and for the pain that had been inflicted in the name of Jesus. Uh, they came and they gathered together and leaders from the Presbyterian Church um, apologized in the name of Jesus, naming the, the hurts they were inflicted uh, in the work of, of assimilation. A Russian Orthodox father, um, well-known speaker in Alaska, came and spoke. A woman from, who's from a, one of our covenant villages came and taught about historical trauma and how there can be healing. People from the Presbyterian Church came. They came together. Clans, members of the clans came. Leaders in the community. It's a town of about 800,000 people. Um, but their heart was to see reconciliation. And they talked about how these are people who one of the things that was taught was our, our, about our culture that was deemed evil was our, our native dance. And there's still, you know, people of our native people on both sides of that that, that say that yeah, is of the devil. There's others who say, man, this is, this is our music. This is our art to praise God. And so, but missionaries, when they come, you know, this... This is what was taught, you know. Change your language. Your culture is evil. Um, when they were done, they danced. They danced in praise to Jesus, the one who has put to death hostility, the one who has, has brought those far apart near. And here was, here's what was just amazing to me. So they talked about the great joy that resulted in, in hearing this apology where, you know, there's something significant when, when someone has been hurt and, and their pain is validated, right? Say, yes, we, you were hurt. We hurt you, you know, whatever. But the, the, she said we danced, and, and she talked about how that, that's a whaling community. And every, every spring and fall, um, bowhead whales are harvested, um, that's going to be in heaven too, I'm telling you, friends. Muktuk, we, we eat whale blubber. It's the best. But she said the harvest 
was amazing. Quails, walrus. She said that fall, the salmon berries were just humongous and plentiful. And it was, it was a harvest unlike they'd ever seen, she said, in, in how many years. And she said, you know, I just cannot help. Think of the passage that you said at the beginning, Felix, how good and pleasant it is when, when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It's like the oil poured down over Aaron's beard. It's like the abundant harvest that God gave to those people in that place in 2012. She, she could not think that that was from God's hand because we don't have salmonberry farmers. We don't farm bowhead whales. We don't farm walruses. Those are wild, free-range, organic things. And um, abundance. And she, she just gave testimony to the, to the blessing that that was one way she felt God blessed their people when there was reconciliation, when there was forgiveness, when people who were far apart, far apart came closer together because of the gospel of Jesus. I was moved by that, and that stuck in my mind, you know. And, I, and I, it's made me hunger and long for all the more that we would see God pour out blessing in this land, in this country, because, I, like I've shared, of the, the two familiar stories of hostility. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. To be called a fellow citizen, you know, our people, it took a while for our people to be made fellow citizens under the United States government. And that's a whole other story. And that kind of work to empower um, people who are on the edge, people who um, are, are on the margins, that's important. The, the efforts of, I'll say, government. And, and, and we've seen great progress in our state. Of we have, we have Alaska Natives who are doctors and lawyers. We have our first ever um, Lieutenant Governor is Alaska Native. We're elected this fall, you know. So there's kinds of ways that, that we are significantly participating and contributing to our, our society, the United States of America. But all that effort, I think, falls short in a lasting reconciliation to be made fellow citizens under the gospel of Jesus in the kingdom of Jesus. That is the vision and the hope that we we lift our eyes to, long for, to pray for, and to participate in what God is doing in the world. Reconciliation is the gift of Jesus to us. It's not something that we can manufacture or have events that will bring it about. It's a gift. It's a gift, Jesus. And you can think of all through the Gospels, all through, all through Scriptures. I thought of stories of people who were far away, brought near, Peter, who denied him. Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you, Lord. Then feed my sheep. Peter was brought near to Jesus even after he had denied him. Paul, Saul, who murdered, who was a murderous man, blinded on the road to Damascus. You're going to be my chosen instrument, Saul. Your name is Paul. Thinking of the thieves on the cross, the thief on the cross, who was far away and brought near. That's the vision. That is the hope. We have, as the church, a chosen instrument to bring that message 
reconciliation in the gospel of Jesus. Amen.